The name of the initiative is Seville Plans Together, but an attempt to update the Charlottesville Comprehensive Plan to increase the number of affordable places to live at times seems like it will tear the community apart. Here's one of over 50 community members who spoke during a five-hour work session on the topic on August 31st. I wish this whole thing had been kind of approached in a different way because it's been just so divisive. And I, I, I just i am sad to hear um, the citizens of our community kind of so upset with one another. On this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a summary and recap of the review and preparation of an aspirational map intended to guide future development. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Most people in the community are unfamiliar with much of the jargon, but I've spent a good chunk of my career trying to explain the terms required to explain how the pieces fit together. Societies are complex organisms that have no instruction manual, but the goal of this newsletter and podcast each and every time is to help you better understand what's happening. Thanks for listening. In today's first Substack-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforcville.org to learn about those projects and to sign up for a new volunteer orientation coming up this Sunday, September 4th, at 4 p.m. There's only one topic for today's show, but it's a big one. With four months to go until the end of 2021, the chair of the Charlottesville Planning Commission is hopeful that City Council will adopt a comprehensive plan before the clock strikes 2022. That will mark two years since the launch of the Seville Plans Together initiative. The firm Roadside and Harwell is leading the completion of the comprehensive plan, and subcontractor HRA Associates has created an affordable housing plan that Council adopted in March. Preliminary work is underway on a rewrite of the zoning ordinance. All of the work is done to fulfill a previous City Council's request in the spring of 2019 to hire a firm to complete work on all three. Before we begin, let's review the language in the request for proposals. Housing is at the root of historical structural inequity and oppression in the United States, and it came to be this way deliberately. As we build a strategy to achieve a local housing landscape that is healthy, ample, high quality, and affordable, we must be equally deliberate in dismantling the dynamics and the structures that perpetuate continued inequity, structures that often go unnoticed by those of us who benefit from them or don't directly experience their harm. In late August, Roadside and Harwell released the third version of something called the Future Land Use Map, which is intended to guide future development. In late March, the Planning Commission directed Roadside and Harwell to increase potential residential density allowed across the entire city, but mostly in single-family neighborhoods. Some in those neighborhoods pushed back, and a third map balanced the two previous drafts. At a work session on August 31st, the Planning Commission met for over five hours to weigh in on the map. While not a public hearing, nearly 60 people spoke during the virtual meeting. 
At the outset, project manager Jennifer Koch with Roadside and Harwell stressed they were not reviewing a final product. This is a draft, and we expect there may be adjustments that are made to it. You know, if we do make revisions to the, the map after tonight, the future land use map, we will make it clear how, where, and, and why those were made. The commission also reviewed the land use chapter of the comprehensive plan, which is connected to the future land use map. Land use map is connected to a variety of uh, not only goals and strategies, uh, but also this overall chapter vision statement about what Charlottesville wants to be in the future related to land use, urban form, and historic and cultural preservation. During her review of public engagement, Koch summarized two major camps that emerged during the input process earlier this spring. People who live in neighborhoods that are currently mostly single-family neighborhoods, um, and they, there was a lot of expression of concern related to community character, development scale, uh, and whatnot. But I want to note there were also a lot of comments in support of more housing, uh, affordability, and density in the city. Koch said the future land use map is intended to implement the major tenets of the affordable housing plan. The current future land use map dates back to 2013, and most of the city's land is designated for low-intensity residential. Beginning with the second draft, new map, released in late April, that base level has been renamed to general residential. What we were talking about at this point was allowing up to three units on those sites. And a lot of those right now are currently zoned for single family use only. So that represented, you know, sort of a potential tripling of what was allowed in, in those areas. Another change to general residential is the ability for a property to build a fourth unit on a lot if it were kept below the fair market rent. Before we get too much further, a little bit of history. You might want to look at the implementation chapter from the city's 2001 comprehensive plan. The word corridor is used over four dozen times. Here are a few examples from a plan adopted by city council 20 years ago. We will support initiatives to increase commercial, retail, and residential growth opportunities in our commercial corridors. We will increase the amount of market rate, higher density residential housing downtown, and along the economic development corridors. We will adopt zoning changes and urban design criteria to implement the recommendations of the corridor study. That study refers to a December 2000 commercial corridor study that heavily influenced the last major rezoning citywide change in 2003. If you've ever wondered why there are taller buildings on West Main Street or dense apartment complexes on Jefferson Park Avenue, that rezoning is why. Koch and her team of planners built all three drafts of the future land use map on the 2013 land use map, which built off the one from the 2007 comprehensive plan. The review process really never ends. But a new plan has to be adopted eventually. And on August 31st, 2021, Koch wanted to explain a bit more about corridors and nodes. I want to be clear that we, when we're talking about sort of nodes and corridors in the city, we do have those land use uh, categories that are called mixed use nodes, mixed use corridors. But when we talk about having um, a development pattern that's sort of node and corridor centric, uh, we're also looking at things like residential corridors, um, you know, nodes of residential intensity. For instance, the third version of the map designates a section of Cherry Avenue west of Roosevelt Brown as increasing to medium-density residential. 
That's within walking distance to Buford Middle School, a facility proposed to be upgraded in the near future to accommodate 6th graders. That area is also near Forest Hills Park and Fifeville Park. We've looked at how can we put potential intensity near schools and near parks, and that's been important from the beginning of this process. In the second version of the map, most of the Lewis Mountain neighborhood was designated as medium-density residential, as were portions of the Greenbrier and Barracks Rugby neighborhoods. However, feedback led the consultants to scale back some of those to general residential. We heard concerns about some locations of the mixed uh, medium-intensity residential and the mixed-use nodes. We heard concerns about uh, the city's ability to plan for infrastructure and advance of development, and that includes traffic, transportation, utility, um, stormwater, other types of infrastructure. Koch said others are concerned that simply allowing more housing units will not lead to reduced prices. We heard a, a lot of people who said, Density does not equal affordability. And we 100% agree with that. Uh, You know, the land use map alone will not get to the housing goals that we have for Charlottesville. There has been concern about people being displaced from neighborhoods that have historically housed people with lower income and black residents. For many years, real estate investors and wealthier households have purchased single-family homes in 10th and Page, Fifeville, and Rose Hill and invested in them. A feature of the third draft of the future land use map would seek to restrict intense development in these areas. In the future land use map, reducing the allowable intensity in those areas, we are proposing this sense of community overlay that could then um, potentially include less development intensity in the zoning. Um, But, you know, we have heard um, sort of mixed opinions on whether allowing less development in those areas would be preferable for those who may be in those at-risk communities. Uh, We want to make sure we're not impacting potential uh, wealth building in those communities, for example. We'll hear more details about the changes in this third iteration of the map as commissioners ask questions. For now, Koch said the changes made to the map, including the conditional allowance of a fourth unit in general residential, could help the city attain its housing goals. Koch spoke for nearly an hour before members of the public were allowed to give their input. At that point in the call, there were 238 people watching. Over the course of the five-hour meeting, nearly 60 people would speak. There's not enough time to go through it all, but before we hear what commissioners and the city council think, let's hear some voices that I would say are skeptical of the map. We had no idea that the ultimate goal of Charlottesville was to have this high density area. We specifically look for something close to the hospital, R1 coming off of acreage. That's what we were looking for. Is it really an issue of affordable housing or is it really an issue of poverty? Is the issue really poverty rather than whether or not housing is affordable? Census data has showed that the constructions of new homes in the city has outpaced the city's population growth. If the city of Charlottesville is serious about redressing housing racial injustices, they could create a program to target individuals and families, much like the voucher program created in Evanston, Illinois, where aggrieved African-Americans only need to show that they were descendants of residents during a certain time period. Instead, 
our government is proposing to dismantle single family neighborhoods like mine. Yes, I will be punished twice. Let me be clear. I don't want 12 unit buildings or commercial establishments in my neighborhood. I don't want the traffic, the trash, the noise, the crime, and all of that which naturally accompanies denser neighborhoods. I really would just like to make a huge plea to slow down the process and expand it. We are still living in a pandemic which has altered everything. And we're talking about a rezoning which projects to alter everything in the city. And I see no reason to rush it. This plan being presented by the consulting team is what I believe to be an ideological blueprint for pro-density interests. I want to confess that I do not share your goal of increasing density in the city. And I don't recall that ever being on any ballot presented to the citizens. You just heard from Michelle Rowan, Fred Borsch, Kaki Pearson, Mary Simpson, Martha Smythe, Philip Harway, and Andrew Grimshaw. There were also many comments in favor of the plan. I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled at all the outrage um, behind what's being proposed, given that um, the, the unit that I live in currently um, is pretty emblematic of a lot of the proposed changes in this plan, so far as I understand. It's converted um, house. It looks just like all the other houses on the block. Um, the only difference is that I can afford to live there, whereas I could not afford to live in um, an entire single family home, for example. Something that we noticed when we were looking at the side-by-side -side slide of the August map and the May map is that there's in general uh, a lot less gray in the historically exclusionary neighborhoods, the white neighborhoods, uh, North Downtown, Lewis Mountain Road, Locust Grove, Barracks Rugby. Uh, there's less allowance for medium density under the current version of the map than there was in the May version. We think this is a step backwards. We're disappointed by this. I hope we can move back in the direction that the first future land use map was going. Um, I feel like we've taken a step back. I think that cutting down the general residential story uh, from 3.5 to 2 is going to create issues in the long run. We're going to have houses that can't even be built in existing R1 neighborhoods. It's important that this process considers to take the needs of renters um, and, and center them um, as we're, we are 50% renters and probably will grow um, as that demand grows with the University of Virginia's growth. I think you need to um, support a version of this plan that increases density across the city um, and allows all sorts of people who want to live here to be able to move here. Just like to express my support for the uh, May revision that had more uh, substantial changes to density across the city. And I'd like to express my support for greater density in historically exclusionary neighborhoods, um, as well as neighborhoods across the city. And you just heard from Brendan Novak, Caroline Klosko of the Legal Aid Justice Center, speaking on behalf of the Charlottesville Low Income Housing Coalition, Chris Shopper, Tim Giles, Oliver Platts-Mills, David Singerman, and Jamel Bowie. You're listening to a special edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement on the Charlottesville Planning Commission's August 31st work session on the future land use map and the comprehensive plan. 
In today's second Substack-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavilljazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of jazz. And there's no time like now to find a time to get out and watch people play. The Charlottesville Jazz Society keeps a running list of what's coming up at seavilljazz.org. This week, you'll find out that the Charles Owen Trio plays at Miller's Downtown on Friday at 9.30. Zuzu's Hot Five will play the WTJU Freefall Concert on Saturday, and the Beleza Trio plays at Potter's Craft Cider on Saturday. For details, visit seavilljazz.org. Now back to the coverage of the August 31st, 2021 Charlottesville Planning Commission meeting. What did commissioners think? When it was their turn, each commissioner had five minutes to ask questions and make comments. Commissioner Jody Lehendro has served on the advisory body since August of 2014 and has been one of the most skeptical voices on the commission of this latest iteration of the comprehensive plan process. I have been doing a lot of reading and most of the literature that I have come across uh, has concluded that uh, simply adding density uh, does little to nothing to adding affordability to a city uh, or affordable units to a city. The current draft allows a fourth unit in general residential if it is subsidized or sold below its market value. Lehendro expressed skepticism. Why wouldn't developers simply add, uh, turn uh, single-family parcels into three-family, three residential units, take the money, and run? Um, is the fourth unit um, based upon some kind of data? Koch repeated that the future land use map and the zoning would not be enough, and that tools in the affordable housing plan would be required to be implemented. But she did say that the size of units could play a role in bringing down housing costs. There is an opportunity to provide uh, units that are more sort of naturally affordable. If they're at a uh, sort of a, a size that maybe is not available in a neighborhood uh, right now. The zoning rewrite will be overseen by subcontractor Code Studio. Lee Einsweiler is the founding principal. You're right, Jody. There's no specific evidence that that uh, fourth unit is somehow uh, magically more affordable. Um, it is It is just a, a, a trade-off that we felt was reasonable for adding to our original uh, three that if you were going to add more, we needed some guarantee that some portion might be affordable. Lehendro said he could not support the additional density without precautions. He said developers will purchase existing homes, tear them down, and build three units where they can. The land has become more valuable now than the buildings that are on it. Um, and given the opportunity to provide more housing units on the same parcel of land through upzoning, developers will build more units, but at market rates that will not meet the affordability definition. Lehendro said he could support the density of additional units in single-family zoning, but only if they were guaranteed to be rented or sold at affordable levels. As a general rule, households who pay more than 30% of their income for the roof over their head are considered distressed. 
Commissioner Lyle Sola Yates said areas near the University of Virginia, such as the Lewis Mountain neighborhood, should be places where children in low-income families can live and have opportunity. He said he studied the changes to the future land use map over the weekend. And I only saw uh, really large reductions uh, in potential affordable housing there. Um, I didn't understand it. Uh, I understand that there has been public comment calling for less, um, especially among uh, the highest income homeowners. That's sort of the the biggest group that's really been pushing this um, story. Commissioner Tania Dowell went next. She also supported Lahendra's idea of an overlay district for additional units only if all are affordable. I, too, have um, some heartburn about the density um, that comes with this plan. The newest commissioner is Kareem Habab, who joined the advisory body earlier this summer. I think we need more assertive language uh, regarding affordable housing um, and the affordability of the affordable housing um, throughout all different intensities and zoning requirements, not generally just the not just the general residential one. I think it could apply to most of them. Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg began his comments with a pointed question to the consultants. How do you decide whose opinions matter? Um, We've heard many hundreds of people's feedback. Um, Many people are arguing for one thing, while others argue for the direct opposite. Koch said the consultants have tried to strike a balance between multiple points of view. In terms of who who we are listening to, uh, we are trying to make that equity and affordability piece maintain strength, and we think we have, um, while also making compromise. We, you know, we're not swinging one wildly one way or the other. Um, I would, I would say, if we, if we did that, if we really set, you know, listen specifically to certain neighborhoods, a lot of these neighborhoods would, outside of those sensitive communities, even would, would not have any additional increase in potential intensity at all. Back to affordability, Stolzenberg said the city needs to provide incentives to developers if anyone is ever going to build that fourth unit. He said the nonprofit housing groups may not be interested unless they can build certain kinds of units in more places. My understanding in talking to our local housing nonprofits is that we have a couple rental oriented ones that don't build buildings that size. Uh, and you need at least 40 or 50 just to get to a LIHTC application. And then we have housing oriented or uh, homeownership oriented ones like Habitat and the Community Land Trust. And for them, um, I think what they're really seeking is for townhomes, and in particular, stacked townhomes. They keep saying stacked townhomes. That's the fastest path to get affordability because land is so expensive and you can half the cost of land. Stolzenberg also said he did not favor a reduction in the number of stories allowed in general residential from 3.5 stories in the second draft to 2.5 in the third. Commissioner Liz Russell picked up on this thread. It seems that... um... The definition of missing middle housing is two and a half to three stories. Um, so if that's what we say we want, then you know that that's that explains the uh, reduction from 3.5. Russell said the process should result in a city that provides choices for housing, a range of housing opportunities in a way that's sensitive to the built form of our existing neighborhoods. Uh, I think that's what Seville Plans is working towards, and I think it's our role as planning commissioners to guide the density more specifically and not leave it to the market to decide what is built and what is it, what is affordable. This was Hosea Mitchell's last meeting as the chair. As such, he thought he would be candid in what he said about the latest draft. The latest iteration disappoints. 
the um, the affordable housing plan that uh, uh, the consultants put together was designed to um, promote zoning and development that increased uh, multifamily uh, uh, development in a way that that uh, buoyed um, equity and, and, and buoyed affordability in, in Charlottesville. Mitchell said the latest draft does not do enough to combat the long history of exclusionary zoning. Mitchell said he would support four stories in general residentials in places where it makes sense. The commission's role is advisory. Elected officials will make the final call. Let's hear from three of them. First, Councillor Lloyd Snook. We have to remember that the future land use map is part of the comprehensive plan. It is only about three pages of the comprehensive plan. Uh, the comprehensive plan, the purpose of a comp plan is to plan to deal with current and emerging problems. It is not particularly, frankly, to only preserve existing neighborhoods, though in some instances that could be a problem that we're trying to address. Snook said the three values in the comprehensive Snook said the three values the comprehensive plan must address are racial equity, climate change, and affordable housing. And number three is dealing with all varieties of affordable housing. We have to recognize that at the moment, Charlottesville is becoming increasingly unaffordable for virtually everybody. And that includes people who are making 100% of AMI, not just 80% or 40% or 50%. Snook also said he wanted to see more information about the costs of building multiple units within one building. Would it be cheaper? Mayor Nakaya Walker was on city council in February of 2019 when the decision was made to hire a firm to finish the comprehensive plan. I understand that a lot of people are challenged by, um, you know, Charlottesville, what has happened with um, past developments, um, the increase in pricing of housing and land. Um, But there are certain members of our population who without um, us prioritizing them, and especially the lower AMI, they won't be able um, to figure out in Charlottesville or existing um, areas. Councillor Michael Payne said the comprehensive plan gives an opportunity to change Charlottesville's housing ecosystem for the better. Opening up the opportunity for more affordable homeownership and rental opportunities throughout the entire city and directly confronting the reasons that those opportunities aren't available and allow more affordable duplexes, triplexes, townhomes um, to be built instead of having a system where you can only build an expensive single family home that's selling for six, seven hundred thousand dollars in many cases. Payne said he was concerned that the latest version of the map was a step back in terms of meeting the city's affordable housing goals. He said the longer the delay, the worse the housing situation will get. Every day, week, month, and year, the status quo continues, and we know exactly what the status quo is. It's gentrification, it's displacement, it's um, uh, all the things uh, that you know people continue to highlight as problems in our city. Koch said she and her team will return to the Planning Commission at their regular meeting on September 14th. There is a work session slot that's reserved for September 21st. 
The official public hearing on the comprehensive plan and the future land use map will take place in October. Between now and then, what are you going to do if you're a Charlottesville resident? Have you taken a look at the map? Have you talked to your neighbors? As you've heard in this program, there are many opinions and thoughts. And as you continue to read or listen to Charlottesville Community Engagement, I'll continue to track the story alongside the many other stories I write about land use, growth, economic development, and more of what makes this community function or not function. It's a matter of perspective, but I'll be here documenting from as many views as I can. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the program and uh, send it on to somebody else if you think they would appreciate listening to it. We'll be back in the near future with another installment of the show. Please stay safe out there and uh, thanks for listening. Really is important that as many people as possible pay attention to what's happening at the local level. I'm Sean Tubbs.